The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you could learn more about spirituality and how it can work in your favor, would you be intrigued? Of course you would. It's time to get real. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. In our show, we'll interview fascinating guests with the intent of bringing you closer to who you really want to be. Get ready for some of the most profound radio on any airwaves today. Now, here is James Robinson. Hello, everyone. This is James Robinson with Get Real Radio, and my guest today is a... Dr. Charles Glassman, and I met uh, Charles, I guess it was probably about six or seven years ago when we both were at a book awards function where we were getting awards for the books we have written, and I know that Charles' success with his book eclipses mine, because even though I still remember the five people that bought my book very fondly, Charles has been uh, very, very successful. And uh want to welcome you, Charles. Welcome to the program. Uh, James, so great to, to be back in touch. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great meeting you then and, and sure, you know, staying in touch these years and talking with you finally. It's been, been a while. Yeah, and the thing that uh, I've been, we've been trying to do with this show is to bridge the gap between, you know, the eight to five guy and the people that are – doing spiritual or mystical or, you know, more esoteric things and and how people can use spirituality to improve their day-to-day lives. And one, I've been very excited about having Charles on the program because he is an MD. He's he's got a specialty in um, urology and so the the first question I want to ask you, Charles, are you a spiritual person that happens to be a doctor, or are you a doctor that happens to be a spiritual person? Well, that's a great question. Just a little bit, I, I'm an internist, actually, uh, general internal medicine, but that's, uh, that's okay. It's, uh, I am a medical doctor, and um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think I've always considered myself, even predating to being a medical doctor, I, I think I've considered myself somebody who uh, looks you know, outside the, the realm of our five senses and looks outside the, re- the realm of our physical reality. And I did become a doctor, and so I did carry that along with me. Um, but I've always had that, um, I think, that inclination because I, I feel that there, there's just there has to be much more than, than what we perceive and what we sense every day. And I've had some contacts with that in my lifetime, which has reinforced that. And you know, as a doctor, I realize when people come in and talk with me, a lot of times when, when, we, when people come to the, do- the doctor with challenges, it usually is something to do with their everyday life. And 
they're not coming to me in a vacuum. They're not coming to me just as a physical entity with some type of problem, but they're coming to me with a whole history, and also most of the people who come to me do have some type of spiritual belief, uh, feeling, even if they don't... Uh, uh, if, if they don't have a particular affiliation with a, a religion, they have a general spirituality, a general sense that there's something more than what they're seeing every day, what they're touching, feeling, smelling, whatever, in their, their sensual world. So you were, were, you know, it fascinates me, and, and the reason I, uh, it fascinates me is I have a twin brother that specialized in internal medicine, and he got into infectious diseases, and he's more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite frankly, when I announced that I was going to quit my law practice and become an alternative healer, he thought I had lost my mind. Sure. And, <laughs> you know, because there, there seems, at, at, at the time, there was a wide gap between what is called allopathic medicine or traditional medicine and what is now becoming more of a wellness industry and uh how do you know do you see that that is still the case now where doctors are still pretty much entrenched in their way of doing things or or is medicine starting to embrace some of the alternative ways of of becoming healthy mm, well you know there's a uh, it, it really depends on, on the, the doctor and, and what they decide they're going to believe and what, what they're going to read. And just last month in the, um, uh, which journal was it? It was a major journal by JAMA uh, for, uh, what, what's the name of it? Anyway, it was the, one of the major uh, journals that I get. Um, it's not a what we call a th- it's not what it's called a throwaway journal, meaning it's just some type of run-of-the-mill uh, advertised journal. This was a major peer-reviewed journal, peer-reviewed study that showed that meditation was as effective at most interventions for the management of various conditions from stress to high blood pressure, and this was a major medical journal. So, if the doctors are going to the conventional doctors are going to quote studies from major medical journals. They can't be they can't be picking and choosing which studies they're going to quote that fit in with a certain uh, a certain philosophy or a certain belief system that they have. So this was very reaffirming to me because by all measures I would be considered a nut job honestly <laughs> because you know I meditate every day and the way I meditate is I connect with an inner guidance, a very strong sense that I get. In fact, in my first book, I talk about, and I will be talking about in in future books, about the way I meditate and how I connect with this inner guidance. And I joke around all the time with with my patients that, uh, you know, when I was sending out chapters of my book to be read, I said, now you know that your your doc is a raving lunatic because of you know how I meditate, but the the subject actually of of a, a new book which we'll talk about at, at some point is that I'm really going to show the difference that, that there isn't any real difference significant difference between 
people who consider themselves rational, reasonable, logical, not a real difference between them, maybe you and me, and somebody who has been diagnosed with psychiatric illness. And this has a lot to do with my belief system and what allows me to be able to meditate in a very spiritual, uh, almost if, if, if you had a conventional psychiatrist, they may think it's uh, uh, grandiose or magical thinking or, or some other label from the DSM-3, whatever, or DSM-5, um, which is the psychiatric you know, document that they use to diagnose people. Uh, they will talk to people who are spiritual and give them a label of that. But in, in reality, the conventional doc who goes by the belief system that's very rational, logical, conventional is going to miss out a lot and is not going to connect with people whose belief systems do not follow in that lockstep with that conventional allopathic way of looking at things. Well, that opens the door to a lot of questions that I know that I have always wanted to ask a doctor. However, the common response I would get would be just instant dismissal because it was outside of their envelope. So it's great to have a doctor who has got a, a more open mind about things and understands there is a role for that. But the first thing I wanted to ask you is that, um, is there a role for alternative healers? And by that I mean people who sit there and claim to heal cancer and claim to heal disease and claim to do things that traditional doctors would tell you, no, you have to do it a certain way in order to heal that particular disease. Mm -hmm. I think it's really the perspective and how, you, how one approaches it. And what I mean by that is that for the most part, when someone comes to a doctor, they're looking for the doctor to heal them. Uh, they're looking for the doctor to do the work. And, and unfortunately, that's really the, the rule more than the exception with modern-day medicine. And the same could be said of someone who goes to an alternative healer, that they're going to the alternative healer to get the healer to heal them. However, if you re the way I look at the work that I do, the work that I do, I, I never want anybody to look at me as somebody who is standing on a pedestal or a soapbox, spewing my philosophy, spewing my beliefs, and and bowing down to me and saying, wow, you're great, I love what you have to say, this is it. That's not the, my purpose. I feel that my purpose, in, in many ways, to be an authentic, true physician and a healer, is to give what my views are from really introspection, what I've learned about myself, and in order for somebody to, have, to be empowered so they can heal themselves. And a woman came to me a few weeks ago, and I had been seeing her uh, probably for about two months, and she came to me in, in uh, a visit a few weeks ago and said you know, how, how much I've helped her and how much she's talking about me at home. And, and she said to her husband that you know, she put, is putting me on a pedestal. And I, I said to her, you know, never do that. I, don't put me on a pedestal. If, I'm, if, if what I'm doing is right, and what I am doing is consistent with my mission, it's to put you on a pedestal. It's to elevate you. It's to empower you. 
So I would think that the purpose of an alternative healer will take the tools and the talents and the gifts that they have, and we all have them, and the alternative healer likely has tapped into their gift, and I believe their gift is to be able to, to, to give to the individual, to point out to the individual their gifts and their talents, their power, in order to direct it so they can heal themselves and, and, and allow for their internal, their personal power to control and, and elevate their immunity and tap into something that they have, just they were not able to identify or tap into themselves. That brings up the question then, is there an outside force that, quote, alternative healers, end quote, can use to change somebody's physical condition? Or is it simply that there's a connection between the peep, the, the client and the healer to the, so that the, it enables the client to do the work. Mm. Do you understand the question? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the way I, I look at it, as I mentioned before, when I meditate, I meditate to an inner guide. And my inner guide, and, and as, as the quotation goes, uh, that when we pray, uh, we, we talk to God, and when we meditate, God talks to us. And, of course, God could be anything I feel that somebody believes that's just more powerful than themselves or, or, or much more a, a source that's greater than our five senses. And so when I meditate and I get this, this talk or whatever, when I get that, it's not because I'm some type of channeler or some type of prophet or that I'm, some, I'm more special than somebody else. No, it's just that I've been able to rise above my primitive nature connect with what I consider my divine nature, and it's my mission to let every, every single human being know that they have that ability to do the same. And I think that for somebody who is an alternative healer, I think it's, it's, it's the same thing that they're tapping into their divine nature in order to help somebody else to uncover, get, get beyond the physical nature, get beyond the primitive nature, and be able to tap into their own divine nature. And I think that that is really the distinction rather than somebody coming uh, in and somebody coming to an alternative healer and saying, heal me. I think it's the ability to, uh, uh, the, the, real, the real privilege of a healer is to be able to embody what they've discovered and embody that in the person who needs their help and who has come to them for help. That's just my, my uh, perspective on it. Well, would it be accurate to say that um, clients who go to a healer and, and get a positive result should be praising themselves rather than the healer? I think they should be praising themselves and thanking the healer for giving them the guidance. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know that um, you've, you've written a book called The Brain Drain. Mm-hmm. And uh, so tell us a little bit of what, why you wrote the book and what it will do for people. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wrote it, it, it started with uh, one single patient who came into my office saying how great he felt and how motivated 
he felt after he sat and spoke with me, but then he'd go back into his life. Like we've all, we've all experienced that. You know, we, we, we get motivated, we get just enlightened. We may have heard, gone to a service and heard a, an unbelievable minister give a, a phenomenal speech and, and, and a sermon and just get all charged up or, or we hear a motivational speaker or we hear a particularly inspiring, uh, watching a particularly inspiring video. But then we go back into our lives and our children are arguing, our bills are piling up, and that's what was happening to this guy. And he said, you know, Doc, is there a way you can get, keep me on the straight and narrow, give me a kick in the butt between office visits? So we came up with this idea. I'd send him a weekly email message. And the email message was not at all medical. And, the, and it was all motivational. And that's because the way I look at it, that many of our medical, physical problems stem from our ability to manage and to deal with the challenges of our everyday life, the money, health, and relationship challenges, for instance. So these were more motivational. And I realized after I wrote one or two weeks worth that it really pertained to more than just him. And so my email list started growing and I started distributing them to a, a larger audience. But as I wrote every week, I found myself looking into to myself and finding why is it that when I'm going strong, I get all these negative thoughts. If I'm driving in a car and singing along on the radio, drumming on my steering wheel, why is it that all of a sudden a flash of a thought that, oh my God, I, I have that bill due or, or how's my how's my child going to do on that particular test or whatever? And yeah, why is that? Why does that come? So as I was writing these messages, I, I needed to find out and discover why. And after about a year and a half, um, after I got a particularly strong inspiration to write a book, I started distributing, instead of a weekly message, email message, I started distributing book installments. And uh, so every one of my email list at the time would get a a chapter. So they, they had most of my book when, it, when by the time it was done. And basically what my book is, Brain Drain, it's helping people get beyond the drain of their primitive brain, their automatic brain as I call it. The automatic brain is our primitive nature which has followed us for 250,000 years. And basically this brain has one, only one purpose. That's to protect us from whatever it processes as potential danger, threat, or vulnerability. And the only thing that this primitive brain does in action is fight or flight. It doesn't matter if there's real danger, false danger, whatever. It will fire and cause us to fight or flee. And as long as we believe, trust, and take direction from the actions of this primitive brain, our primitive nature, we will, not, we will be drained and we will not come to face with our divine nature. And that is controlled by what I call our higher mind, which I believe was gifted to humankind around six to 10,000 years ago. And if you run the numbers, that's around the time of the biblical creation stories or, or all the other creation stories, whatever, along whatever line. So that's, that's what a brain drain, by understanding that brain drain will help the listener bring up to the level of awareness and consciousness just when their primitive brain is operating so then they can rise above it, realize there's no real danger, no real threat, and then unleash 
the power of their mind, which is there all the time. Twenty, just like the primitive brain is there twenty four seven, the mind is there twenty four seven, operating without uh, disruption, uh, and we just don't know it. And we okay, just don't see it. I need to interrupt you because my sponsor brain is telling me that it's time to let our <laughs> sponsors have a word. So we will be yeah. right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Listen for MD Radio on the Voice America Variety Channel. That's Muscular Development Radio. Every Monday, your host, Sean Ray, will take you inside the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness. The show will feature Hall of Fame bodybuilders, trainers, judges, and the future champions of tomorrow. Plus, you'll be invited to participate in our call-in Ask the Pros feature. And our nutritional spotlight will feature products that can help you achieve your fitness goals. MD Radio is broadcast live Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Carla Howell, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. This is James Robinson, and my guest is Dr. Charles Glassman, and we were talking right before the break about the different aspects of the mind or the brain, and which raises an interesting question. Is, is there a difference between the mind and the brain? Yeah, it's, it's great that, that you asked that question because it, it's, kinda, it's, it's a personal pet peeve of mine, but I, I, never, I never call people out on it because I, I just, it's not who I am or what I do. But it, since I've been writing... I make such a clear distinction between the the automatic brain, the brain, and the mind, because to me, 
it, there is a distinction. The brain, the automatic brain is our primitive nature, which is very, is, is not very, it is reactive. It only reacts to the possibility, not even the probability, the possibility of danger, threat, or vulnerability. That means the possibility could be remote. Uh, if someone comes into my office with shoulder pain and they say, and they're, they're really anxious and nervous because they say, oh, doc, you know, I'm afraid that it's cancer. Well, is there a possibility that it's cancer? Well, it is, okay? That's why they're so nervous. But is it probable that it's cancer? No. I mean, they just, they were, lift, they were shoveling uh, dirt into a wheelbarrow. That's, that's why their, their shoulder hurts. But the brain, the automatic brain is reactive. It only fights or flees whatever it processes as potential danger, threat, or vulnerability. The mind, on the other hand, is reflective. The mind is our higher self. The mind processes information. And this is where you get real radio comes in because this is the gap that bridges the gap between spirituality and practicality. The, the, the mind, our spiritual nature, is actually much more practical than our brain is. We think our brain is so practical. Well, our brain only responds to possibility, the worst-case scenario. That's what, that's what it is, and it will fire for the worst-case scenario. The brain also, the fight or flight, the brain is aggressive, the fight, or passive, the flight. So if somebody cuts you off on the road and you start cursing at them, that's the fight because someone one-upped you. If you... If someone, you know, yells at you and you withdraw and, and get all meek and if, if any listeners have ever watched the old Fred Flintstone uh, cartoon when uh, Fred Flintstone is, is with his boss, Mr. Slater or Slate, and he gets smaller and smaller and smaller into his chair, well, he's withdrawing, he's getting, and that's passive. And neither one of that, those are good, but that is the action of the brain, the automatic brain, whereas the mind is assertive. Very big difference. Assertive is I win, you win. It's, it's supporting yourself. It's standing up for yourself. It's very practical. Yet that mind is your connection, is your conduit, is your gateway to your spiritual nature, your divine nature. So to me, there's an extraordinary difference between the brain and the mind. One of the things that I've, I've seen over the years is that there is, has Neurologists have done a lot of studies about the different parts of the brain and what the functions of the different part of the brain is. Is is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's that's a good point. The automatic brain, if they what you're talking about are the the fMRI studies, which are the functional MRI studies, and basically what they show, they'll give uh, subjects different tests and they'll see what lights up in the brain during those tests. Well, what lights up for the automatic brain are the parts of the, what are called the limbic system. And the limbic system are tied into our reptilian system. So people think of the reptilian response as that startle response. But we're much more because we're highly developed and we have what's called the neocortex, which is a, is a, a thinking part of our brain. But that doesn't mean it's separate from the limbic system. We've shown in those studies that they're connected. So, so we just have a more evolved limbic system. Our reptilian system is much more evolved than animals. That means not only do we have circumstances 
that can pose as danger to us, but we have thoughts that can pose as danger to us. And not only can thoughts pose danger to us, we can create thoughts if something is is causing us danger. We can create thoughts to help us remove us from that danger. So let me give you an example, okay? Let's say you're, you're going after this, you know, uh, a, a new job, and this job is, and you have a really good chance at, at, at making it. In fact, let's say you've already been given this job, and this job is, has promoted you beyond your, your wildest dreams, so it, it causes you know, you, you to make more money than, than your parents had, more money that you could have ever dreamed of. It's really your, quote, dream job. All of a sudden, you start getting these thoughts that you are, uh, you know, crazy thoughts that somehow you're going to uh, get sick, you're going to um, um, uh, fail, and all of a sudden you start getting back pain or you start getting chest palpitations or heart palpitations. <laughs> so you end up going to the doctor and this doctor and that doctor. You have trouble sleeping because you have all these reactions. And really what that has done is the, the new job and the money you're making represents a danger to you. So you end up fighting and fleeing that danger, not only with physical symptoms, but with thoughts. So your brain will do whatever it takes by all means necessary by creating behaviors and thoughts to make you fight or flee possible danger. And that's what, what happens. And I can't say that neurologists have, have come up with, uh, have adopted what I'm talking about, but I, I have a feeling that once I finish my new work and my new projects, it will, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, this, this idea will come in, into light and some, some neurologists may pick up on it and maybe do some studies because I, I would like to, to look at that, you know, how we generate thoughts to try to protect us from, uh, from danger. So are you saying that what we think about makes a difference? No, well, uh, entirely. And, and not only what we think about makes a difference, but what really makes a difference is whether we're going to believe, trust, or take direction from those thoughts. Because they have to realize that most, not most, but all the negative thoughts we have, every single one of them, when you have a negative thought, when I have a negative thought, it means that there's some danger that our brain is trying to protect us from. It's trying to make us fight or flee some danger. So let's say we're getting a negative thought about our uh, about our body. We're trying to lose weight, but now we're getting a negative thought that, oh my God, I might have cancer because I'm losing weight. That negative thought is generated because you're going for a more fit and lean body. That fit and lean body represents danger to your primitive brain. So your brain is fighting and fleeing that with generating a thought that will make you gain weight again. So you'll end up trying to prove to yourself that you can gain weight because you want to prove that you don't have cancer. So that is a self-sabotage. So all self-sabotaging thoughts, and that was really the base, one of the basis of me writing in the first place, why do I get those self-sabotaging thoughts? And that's why. It's our brain trying to protect us, our automatic brain, from things that we do not need protection from. So what is the difference between people are all in this spiritual world and in psychology and a lot yeah. of different um, disciplines are talking about the conscious brain and the subconscious brain. Mm -hmm. So what could you 
explain that a little bit so people sure. can well, understand what they're talking about? Sure, and I'll, I'll explain the way I see it because it may be different from the, the kind of the normal way that that's thought about. And again, this just works for me, and this is kind of my perspective. Um, I, I, I look at the automatic brain as both conscious and unconscious. And what happens is that we are controlled by behaviors and thoughts that we don't know where they're coming from. And we're, most of the time, and that's why I call it automatic brain, we're on autopilot. Most of the time, we're fighting and fleeing danger all the time. And that's kind of what defines us. It, it formulates our personality. It, it shapes who, who we are. A, a lot of, and a lot of that is because it's unconscious. And really, the purpose of my, my work is to try to bring up to the level of awareness and consciousness the operation of the automatic brain to help people recognize that even in simple conversation, the, the automatic brain is, is operating. So if, if for some reason you're at the bus stop, you're a, a woman um, or a dad, just stay at home, dad, whatever, and you're at the bus stop and with your kids waiting to get on the bus and um, your friend all of a sudden starts talking about this vacation that they're going on and that they're decorating their house with, and they're getting a decorator to come in, uh, this and that, and all of a sudden you feel this sensation inside that you have to chime in with something that you're doing or, or something that's, uh, you know, something bigger or better, or you feel like badly or in withdrawing. You, that is on an unconscious level. You don't know why you're feeling that way. Something they're saying is either ticking you off or making you feel uncomfortable or whatever, but that's the primitive brain at work. So what my, my goal and my work is to try to help people bring up to the level of awareness and consciousness just how much that primitive brain is working on an everyday basis. So it is in the background all the time because it's constantly on an unconscious and sometimes conscious level surveying the landscape 24-7 for any possible danger, which could be other people, potential competitors, or it could be other things or places or whatever that, that could pose potential danger. So that's, that's the way I look at unconscious or subconscious and conscious. Okay, so when people are, are you saying that when people are even in a, just an ordinary, everyday conversation, that they're primitive brain is is always analyzing the situation to look for threats correct absolutely and so mm-hmm. even if they're not there the primitive brain may come up with something mm-hmm. and and that will have an impact on how you experience the conversation absolutely and how you react to it and and I, I, I break it down into three categories. The first is the universal danger of being one-upped. So it'll, it'll scan the landscape for anything that may make you uh, to, to know whether someone is superior to you, so you know whether or not you have to fight or flee them, or whether you're superior to them, so you know whether you're safe. The second one is the unknown, and that could also be the unfamiliar or uncomfortable. So you're scanning the landscape for anything that may seem uncomfortable, unfamiliar, or unknown to you, or unexpected. And the third would be uh, the the what I call the loss of love danger. Uh, but it also could be, and I'm looking at it these days as more of a security 
whether or not you feel secure. And, and that's the second danger that, that the uh, automatic brain is, is surveying the landscape for. Those major, the, the way I see it, those are the three uh-huh. major categories. There's a lot of talk in spiritual s- circles about the difference between the heart and the mind, or mm-hmm. the, mar- the heart and the head. And personally, I have to say that I've got the belief that everything is in the mind. There, there is no such thing as, quote, heart. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just how, you, you know, it's, it's how your brain reacts to stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when people talk about concepts like love, and fear, and envy, and guilt, and all of these emotions, um, how do you master those? Or do we even want it? How do we, do we even want to master those? I love it. I mean, that's, that, I, I agree with you. See, those, those emotions are human nature, they're, but they're primitive nature. They're our primitive nature. They are generated from our automatic brain, and the way I see it anyway. And so the, the envy and, and jealousy basically are just your brain surveying the landscape to see who's above you and who's below you. I mean, that's, that's where it comes from. I, the, what, I, what I'm going to say is going to shock a lot, of, a lot of people. We are not, our primitive nature, we're not born into this world to love. And that's not, that doesn't mean we're not capable of love because our divine nature, who we really are, our spiritual being, is, is if you want to define love, that's, that's what love is. But we're, we operate on a, uh, on a basis to protect ourselves from danger, which is pure conflict, okay? The, 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 uh, the loss of love, danger, we is very needy. Okay, so most people go into relationships needing love, not, not sharing love or sharing connection. They're looking for security. That's their primitive nature, for security. So we are not, as beings, our primitive nature is all about protection from danger and fighting and fleeing danger. So other people represent potential competitors for us. So their potential danger that we're going to fight or flee. But that's only if we follow that brain, which all of us do. Even people who consider themselves spiritual have this in them, and they feel guilty about having bad thoughts about people. They have guilty about guilty. They feel guilty about having envy towards people. But that is their primitive nature. And once you understand that that's the primitive nature, that it comes from somewhere. This is the physical structure of ego. The automatic brain that I'm talking about is the physical structure of ego. And, you, and ego is our human nature, is our primitive nature. That doesn't mean we don't have a divine nature, which is our mind, and I agree with you. I believe it's mind and brain, not heart. Heart is, is, an, is feels good, it's touchy-feely, it sounds nice, and we're all here to love and, and, and this and that. Well, in, until we understand that the primitive brain is controlling our behaviors, don't feel guilty for it. Bring it up to the, a, a level of awareness and consciousness so it doesn't control us. Once that is, is done, remove that from the equation. Realize there's nobody, there's no real danger, there's no threat. There's no danger, no threat with allowing yourself to be vulnerable and open. And once that's the case, then your divine nature shines. It's there all the time, which is really spirit which is really our spiritual nature, there all the time will allow authentic communication. 
It will allow authentic connection. It will will allow true practicality because the only way that we could be spiritual is if we have both feet grounded on this earth. Let me interrupt you. We've got a break for sponsors, and we will be talking more about that when we get back. Okay. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you are listening to get real radio with james robinson we'd love to hear from you please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And we're here with Dr. Charles Glassman, and we're talking about the role that the brain plays plays in our lives and the question i want to start this last segment with is how much of this are we born with and how much of this do we just pick up along the way well you know james the way i see it is our primitive nature our automatic brain when humankind started on this earth and homo sapiens about 200 to 250,000 years ago this is the primitive brain, and, and the, the reptilian part of that brain, you know, goes millions of years before that. So we, we've had this brain with us for many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. So 
So I believe that we come into this world with that primitive brain. And you can think about it as, as our closest ancestors, the uh, um, primate ancestors, mammals, the monkeys. You know, uh, so think of it as, a, as the monkeys or the monkey brain that a lot of people think about it. We're just much more sophisticated because we have a bigger neocortex or new brain which can conjure up things. However, we still come in with the same basic components of this, uh, of our dangers of what we're it's all about danger it's all about our primitive brain looking for danger and as i mentioned before we have what i consider three danger folders three danger compartments the one up danger compartment the unknown danger compartment and the loss of love or security danger compartment and those compartments get filled up as we get older through our life experience and for the most part most of it gets filled up between birth and adolescence and that's what's, what's going to help us throughout our life and really hurt us and hinder us throughout our life to know what is going to be dangerous to us. And so we are always looking for that, and we come into this world with that. So, for instance, animals. Animals, my, my, my dog, when we walk our dog and, and she goes to number two and poops, no, you know, nobody taught her to kick her hind legs to try to cover the poop, although she doesn't do it very accurately. She's probably you know, <laughs> off, off half the time, but, but she does it. If, if you see a spider weaving a web on a fence and all of a sudden you bump that fence, that spider is going to scurry to hide in some nook or cranny. Nobody teaches that spider to do that. That spider has that primitive brain. Although, you know, it's very small, obviously, but it's, it's an automatic reflex to know that certain bigness or largeness or vibration represents danger. Well, the same with, with humankind. We come into this world with those compartments. We don't really know what's, what's going to be dangerous to us, but we know a little baby, if, if, a, if a, startle, a startle response, if you come in and make a loud noise, that baby's going to start crying because there's, there's that representation that there's something that's dangerous. We, it, doesn't, it doesn't think, the automatic brain doesn't think, it only reacts. And it only reacts, as, reacts with fight or flight to possible danger, threat, or vulnerability. So kind of a long way to answer that. Yes, I believe we're born into that. So we are born really into this world not to love. Okay, This is, the, this is big controversy with what I'm saying right now. This goes against most what we the spiritual teachings we are not we are born with this primitive brain are we born with the capability of love well you bet we have our divine nature which is pure love which is something even above this earth so great and so so magnificent and extraordinary but we humankind is and and that's why society is away international conflict everything because the majority not the majority everybody to some extent is acting and behaving and thinking in accordance with our primitive nature and that's what's running the show because it's so convincing and the physical uh, reactions are so convincing the um, tangible uh, evidence is so convincing and so that's why it's very hard not to believe and trust it when that's precisely what we can't do, believe, trust, or take direction from it because it's very misleading and it always sends us uh, down the wrong path. Now, you're a doctor, obviously, and mm -hmm. you treat people with disease or, or problems, and you have incorporated into your practice a 
a you call it coach md yes okay and so explain a little bit about how because the basic premise is as, as i understand it is if you think if you're under stress if you're thinking more with your primitive brain than with your higher brain you have a likelihood that you are that there is a possibility you will become sick and if you become sick and you start using your higher brain functions more, then you will feel better and you will get well. Yep. Is, and so why, that, why is it that way? Why, what is your uh, opinion about how that works? Yeah, you know, it's, when, when I came up with the, with the idea of Coach MD, I, I was bantering about, what is it that I do? You know, I, I, I'm just... It seems as though we're, I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff a lot differently, certainly than, than my colleagues are, but I am a medical doctor, and I realize that what I'm doing a lot when I talked about guidance and helping people do it themselves, I'm really coaching. That's how, how I came up with the idea Coach MD. And it's, it, it, I felt that it would be remiss for me as a doctor to have all this information that I, I, I've kind of figured out in myself and the way my brain works and how I meditate, it would be remiss if I it totally ignored that and not, not incorporated it in, into my career, into what I do. So certainly there are people who um, that, that, that are, are open to it and others who aren't. And I have a common way that I talk with people uh, in my practice, especially someone who's thinking of joining my practice. I always tell them that, look, I'm not going to sit here as the doctor, as the doctor author, authoritative figure. I'm not going to tell you what to do. It's your body, and I am going to guide you. I'm going to coach you. If there's anything that I say that doesn't resonate with, doesn't feel right with you, isn't, you, know, does, you just tell me. You know, you don't. It's not. It's. I'm, I'm never. It's never about me. It's always about this person. Someone's looking to me for guidance, for advice. It's not about me. It has nothing to do with me, and they, they can't think about what, what, what I'm thinking about or my feelings. It's all about them. So I'm, I'm coaching them, and I will try to help them understand that if there are certain challenges in their life, whether it's uh, uh, money challenges, health challenges or worries, relationship issues, I mean, how could somebody be in the, in the throes of a bad relationship, a divorce, fighting constantly at home and come to the doctor with a smile on their face and saying that their stomach hurts and, and me not addressing any of that. I mean, it's, it's, this is where, what they live every day of their life. Or they're, if they're in a situation at work where they have a, a, a boss who they're, uh, who's, who's getting on their case, doesn't respect them. It, it just, you know, so I have a con- also a common... A phrase that I'll I'll ask somebody, you know, what is what's been if somebody comes into me with a problem, I'll say, what's going on in your life in the last three months, last six months? Has there been any change? So many people come in with complaints, and it's it's not in a vacuum. They're they're not just walking in here in a vacuum where with no other life history or no other history during their day or their week or their month or year. So I want to know. And nine times out of ten, there's something that would explain what they're struggling with. 
Now, it's not always easy to just, once you've, again, brought that up to the level of awareness and consciousness, it's not easy just to make it go away, but we work on practical strategies and mindful strategies to get solutions for, for problems that may just be symptoms of challenges in their life. And, and again, I say, in order to be spiritual, you have to have both feet planted on this earth, on this ground. You have to be grounded because that's where we are right now in this life. We're not living with the angels. We're not living in the clouds. We're on this earth. And we have our mind and our connection with our, our divinity, which is inside us. But that means that we need to function on this earth, be able to take care of ourselves, to be able to be productive, and to take care of our own house. And so I help people understand that their physical problems may only be a symptom of some greater danger that they're fighting and fleeing. Great. Now, do you work with people that don't live near you? Uh, I do. I do, yeah. Um, it's, it's challenging in some respects because I have to watch out for certain, you know, privacy things and, and uh, you know, as far as uh, being a doctor and giving advice. So I do, once they sign a, a letter of agreement uh, and they understand what our relationship is. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and your, your website is www.charlesglassmanmd.com, yes. Dot com, okay. So people, if they want to contact Dr. Uh, Glassman to uh, talk to him, they can get in touch with you through the website? Yeah, the, the best way, charlesglassmanmd.com, charlesglassmanmd, like medicaldoctor.com, and you can go there. You'll see there's links to my Facebook page where I give daily inspiration, and I'm up uh, over 76,000 followers on Facebook now. Twitter, I'm just starting to get active with Twitter. And these are great ways to stay in touch because I am working on a new book now, and I, I definitely want you to get my free ebook by joining my, my email list, which talks about stress and ways to deal with that. And by joining my email list, you'll be the first to know when my, my new book is available, and you know, we'll stay in touch that way. And I, I send out, every couple of weeks, I'll send out a newsletter, and, uh, which is usually something uh, inspirational about a post that I did on Facebook or some other type of even medical uh, information. Um, so definitely stay in touch by going to my website, charlesglassmanmd.com, definitely. Okay, and we don't want to forget your book, The Brain Drain. Yes, and my, um, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the foundation of my work. It's really the, the first, uh, first uh, thing that I did that put a lot of my basic knowledge and, and theories together and what I've discovered in myself. And Brain Drain is available on my website, of course, but also on Amazon, both in hardcover, which you get a signed copy of Brain Drain, and it's also on Kindle. So by Amazon, if you go Brain Drain, it's Brain Drain, not Grain Brain. It's <laughs> Brain Drain, and it's by me, and uh, you can get it on Kindle and uh, also hardcover if you'd like. Great. Well, it's, um, can you give us a little bit of a clue of what your next book is going to be about? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, looking at this, um, I, I realize, looking at my theories and um, that I, I, there's a challenge I have with, with mental illness. 
and mental illness is so uh, endemic now in, in our society, whether it be bipolar disorder or post-traumatic stress, obsessive compulsive disorder, all these anxiety, panic, depression, suicide, so many problems and challenges, and it seems endemic. So I wanted to tackle this to some way just to expose how our, our brains and, and, and works in, in comparison with our mind and showing that those people who are diagnosed with, with mental illness, go, it goes, it's the same spectrum as we go through when we deal with stress and anxiety, only that their dangers are more severe. So by being more severe and more deeply rooted, usually in childhood, it means that their fight or flight is just going to be that much more severe. So when I talk about this primitive brain, this automatic brain, as reacting to danger, threat, and vulnerability, we all do that every day. And okay. We're, we're, well, yeah. Charles, I hate to interrupt you, but okay. our time is up. Okay. And I'll have to invite you back uh, for another show to get us uh, some more information on your new book. Yep. So right. thanks so much for being on my show, and everybody go to charlesglassmanmd.com. Thanks, Thank you, Sam. Charles. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Please join us again next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week, open up your heart and look inside your spiritual self. <laughs>